your hosts Jeannie Walters and Adam Toporek are two of the most recognized and respected names in customer experience, and they've dedicated themselves to helping you improve your customer experiences. And now, it's time for Adam and Jeannie. Adam, you know, I think there are times when we don't talk about certain things enough. For sure. I mean, there is, you know, because some topics are challenging to talk about. They are. And, you know, one of the things that I think both you and I have talked about offline and something that we're both very dedicated to is this idea of inclusive customer experience. But we haven't really talked about it as much on this podcast. And that's why I'm excited about our conversation today with Stephanie Toome because we got into that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we've talked about this, really wanting to have somebody on who focuses on that topic because of Mm -hmm. the nature of it. And uh, Stephanie really does. She's got amazing insight. She has a government background, which you'll hear in the bio. Uh, And I think she really uh, brings a fantastic lens to the topic. And uh, Mm -hmm. I think it'll be eye-opening for a lot of people. I agree. I agree. Let me tell you about Stephanie. How about that? Let's do that. (laughs) Stephanie is a certified customer experience professional. She started in the CX profession in the B2B world, but a lot of people know her as one of the U.S. federal government's first agency-level heads of customer experience at the Export-Import Bank of the United States from 2012 to 2016, during which time she also served as an advisor to the President's Cross-Agency Task Force on Customer Experience. Since then, she's been part of the headquarters team of the Customer Experience Professionals Association and served as the chief advisor for federal customer experience at Qualtrics, where she worked with governments around the world in CX-related initiatives and imperatives. Recently, she founded her own consultancy called Practical CX. Stephanie, we're so thrilled you're here with us. Welcome to Crack the Customer Code. Hi, thanks so much for having me on. Stephanie, so great to have you here. So excited. We've been hanging out on Instagram for a while together, and now we get to finally chat. And, you know, there's been a lot of discussion. I mean, we've been talking about this for years, this idea of inclusion and in the experience space. And obviously, it's more timely than ever right now. So I know you talk a lot about this. Tell us a little bit about how can inclusive practices, business approaches be interwoven into a customer experience mindset, and particularly not just you know, at the lower levels of the company, but at, in leadership at the highest levels. Yeah. I, and I got to say, I love that we're talking about this. And I think we should start with the why when we're answering this question, because, you know, inclusion has been something that's been talked about in the HR and the recruiting realms for a really long time, but it's kind of only been on the periphery of customer experience until recently, like you said. And I think we can look at this through multiple lenses, but I have one that we can start with. Um, Last year in the United States, website accessibility federal lawsuits were through the roof. More than 11,000 cases were filed in federal court, and that was a huge jump from the year before, so things are not getting any better there. And you may also remember the story of the customer who was blind, who sued a big pizza chain, who shall remain nameless for our (laughs) podcast, because the pizza chain this big pizza chain that everybody knows very well didn't make its digital channels accessible to customers who were blind. And the pizza chain believed that they did not have to do that. Mm. And this went all the way to the Supreme Court and the customer won. Mm-hmm. So this, these kinds of things are bringing the concept of inclusion more 
out of the periphery and, and into center stage for CX. But you asked how, how can you get that mindset down? And like anything else, in my opinion, with um, CX and this, there are no magic fixes, but you know, I'll bet you lunch that every company can do better. But you can look at blogs and listen to podcasts for inspiration. I'd also say go out and look at the academic literature because our friends in academia are also defining and studying what they're calling service exclusion, which is essentially what we're talking about here. And what they're finding validates some of what more of the senior folks in the CX profession may already be familiar with. And that is, you know, you've got to design with customers and not for them. You've got to include different people in your research and design testing. There's a huge business case for getting that right early on because it can cost you big time later. And the second thing is, you know, connect with the disability community. You don't know what you don't know until you ask. And people talk. I was talking with a colleague who does accessibility training for uh, the U.S. Botanic Garden. And she said something really important. She said, people talk, there's a community. And once you're identified as a welcoming space in the disability community, that's going to spread. The third thing is equip your volunteers, your volunteers, your employees, your stakeholders, and they should understand that everyone who comes into your business comes in with their own story or their own narrative. And it's really your job to understand that story and the ending that that customer is looking for. And the, the final thing here as to the, you know, how do you get a mindset right? And how do you socialize a concept? Like so many other things we do in CX, start a conversation and keep it open because some of the best things that happen for customers happen when we just don't let up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. And I think the, the unspoken thing there is we have to ask for some open-ended responses, right? Like we have to make sure that we are asking questions that we aren't lo looking for a specific answer from sometimes because we get great ideas from customers who say, hey, this is not working for me. This is how it could work. And by listening to that, you can really open it up to, okay, you know, this is, we didn't even know this solution was out there, but here we are listening to customers to make it happen. It's a really, really good point. Yeah. And I think, you know, in any customer experience, something we talk about a lot, and we've talked about it for years, to your point, Stephanie, is, you know, there is this experience gap, right? Like where the leaders of a brand, if you go into a brand, people will tell you, oh, yeah, we're doing great. We've got a great customer experience. Customers love us. That's the one I always hear. <laughs> Our customers mm -hmm. love us. <laughs> and maybe a group of them they, you know, that group does love you. But uh, there's also this gap between what's actually happening, where customers, if you ask them, will say, no, there are things missing from this experience. There are things that I'm not getting. I'm looking around at the competition. I'm not as loyal as they think. So what can we do to talk about not only is it important just because it's the right thing to do, but how do we close that gap and really explain what the ROI is. What is that return on the investment of closing that experience gap? Oh yeah, there are some really great facts. Um, I always recommend where you can take facts with you into a discussion, take the facts. And here are a couple. Um, in 2016, Nielsen found that 35% of US households 
have at least one member with one or more disabilities. So that means about 20 million American households have at least one member of their family that has a physical limitation. And this study also found that nearly 4 million households have a member with an intellectual disability. But what does that mean in terms of spending power? There's a group in the United Kingdom, a grassroots, a grassroots group that advocates for better accessibility for wheelchair bound, customers who are wheelchair bound. And this group um, has come out with a study that says the spending power of disabled people worldwide, are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. 2.25 trillion pounds. Oh my gosh. And in the U.S., there's another study recently that said that that spending power is said to be about $490 billion. So that's B with a billion with a B. Uh. <laughs> and that ain't pocket change. That ain't pocket change. And I mentioned this earlier, people talk. And once you're identified as a welcoming space in the disability community, that's going to spread. So there is a lot of opportunity there. The disability, the community um, is is ready for it. And I think that there is an ROI there that's just waiting. If we just mm-hmm. pay attention. Well, mm-hmm. let's let's dig into that because one of the questions I would have, and you know, I, I saw this uh, earlier in my career as well, is that thirty-five percent statistic that you just shared, which is the idea that, hey, I can't design my space, I can't design my app, uh, maybe if you're talking pizza uh, or whatever it may be, around a half a percent of the population, right? It, there, where's the ROI there? But I think. Some of the statistics you just shared show that um, you know this community is a lot larger than perhaps people think. Are you, when you talk to executives and you uh, have these discussions, are you having to bridge that sort of uh, gap in uh, understanding the size of the market? I think that in some of the clientele that I work with, I work with a lot of government um, agencies, for example. The statistics that are the most um, prevalent to them have to do with website accessibility. And I mentioned that earlier about the federal lawsuits that were filed for, for website accessibility. Those are the statistics because those represent um, immediate concerns, immediate risks that need to be mitigated. So that's the statistic that seems to get the most attention with the clientele that I work with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that the other part of this that is really challenged, not challenged, but challenging, let's say right now, is that everything is in this state of rapid innovation. We are responding to the marketplace in new ways. We are delivering experiences that we were not designing in, you know, four months ago, but we're designing them now. And so I'm curious, you know, what what do you recommend for companies who want to increase how in- inclusive they're being with all of this, but also have to keep up with just all this other stuff? What do we do about this kind of state of flux and uncertainty we're in right now? Any advice I, or wisdom there? Well, I would love it if we could compare notes on this, because I think you, me, and Adam probably all have perspectives on it because it is such a broad mm-hmm. broad stroke topic. And In my experience, uncertainty is just part of the ebb and flow of business, and that's experience from a 30-year career. But I find that in reality, a lot of times when this happens, um, all of this uncertainty and the turbulence that we're faced with right now is companies do tend to turn inward. 
Um, mm -hmm. They isolate, they get distracted away from customers during this time. I've really seen this in particular in merger and acquisitions in the private sector, for example, and in government where there's a weird political environment or turnover, which happens extremely frequently in government, or there's a funding problem. And I got this a lot, this question a lot when I was building the work in government and helping other agencies to build their programs. And it's about focusing on what you have, not on what you don't have. And I know Jeannie, you ascribe to some similar principles about mm -hmm. you know focusing on what you can do, not on what you can't. And I think that that comes down to this, um, comes down to that principle, but also, you know, you cannot take your eye off the ball. You cannot leave your customers. And it, it's unfortunate, but it is kind of a behavior that I've seen happen quite frequently. But some of the things that you can do, you know, you, you still got to have your advocates in place, right? But coming back mm -hmm. to the basics, are the phones being answered? I know this seems really, really basic. And even in our digital world, about half of customers still want to be able to call you, according to some statistics that I've seen recently. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, is your website communicating clearly? Customer experience is all about communication. And so many customers get their first impression of you based on your website. So they've got to be able to find answers to their questions. And if they can't, then what is the experience you're leading them to? That doesn't have to be anything that is particularly complicated. And the third thing is, you know, if you're really stuck and um, you really, you know, you don't have any funding, you know, I always suggest going back and looking into your customer feedback records. Did you get mm -hmm. everything out of that data possible? Because feedback on your website or, or transaction is pretty common and it's pretty easy to overlook insights. But there can be a lot more there if you just take another look, maybe a deeper look, where you can apply some feedback to other areas of your business, like risk management or product mm -hmm. development, for example. But the big thing is you're still there to help your customers solve their problems. And helping them solve their problems is always the goalpost, no matter the time of year or the era that you're living through. Mm -hmm. And one thing you said there that I want to kind of underline, because I like it a lot, is you know, when you're looking at the data again, when you go back and you say, what else can we learn here? I think one of the things that a lot of customer experience leaders don't necessarily do or have the ability to do, and this goes up to the big leadership, is making sure, okay, we, we've identified this issue. We've identified this way to deal with it that's a best practice. Can we bring this throughout the organization? Can we make sure that this is applied throughout the customer journey? Because if you don't have that kind of cross-functional support and leadership, then that's really hard to do. And then you're just collecting data about the same issue that you knew about, just in different ways in the future. So it's it's... Yeah, the, that's another ROI point too. Like, let's stop measuring things we already know. <laughs> well, yeah, and you know, um, in, in a B2B setting, particularly where those relationships run deep, suppose you go back and ask a customer or a client again for feedback that you didn't follow up on, you know, that you didn't follow mm -hmm. up on or that it wasn't raised. And, and this has happened. This is a direct quote from a client once who said, why should I spend any more time sharing this feedback with you? You didn't do anything with it last time or the year before or the year before. Yep. And then it just becomes embarrassing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, completely. Well, I mean, that's one of the things that you mentioned that I really honed in on was just the basics, right? This idea of you still have to take care of your customers, still have to answer the phone, still have to make sure your website's right. And I think you know, the way I've been looking at it, especially post-COVID, is this idea of your principles and your core, your mission, whatever uh, term you want to use uh -oh. is what gets you through you? these types of times. 
right? Mm -hmm. Because one of the things is what COVID did, I I look at sort of from a risk parameters, what COVID did was it blew the box on what the expected risks were. Like every CEO had their sort of, you know, uh, a range of expected risk and this blew through all those, right? This was not an expected risk that anybody was really planning for in corporate America. And the companies that had core you know, principles, core missions really under had customer centricity in place. I think you see what they're, what they're doing and how they're reacting because they're able to fall back on the principle and figure out the execution in the new environment from that. I mean, have, that, that mm-hmm. seems like what you were touching on some there, Stephanie. Most definitely. Those are all excellent points. Well, we had a lot of fun talking to you, Stephanie. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. And I'm sure some of our listeners really want to learn more about you. So how could they do that? Um, You can look for me on LinkedIn and Twitter, uh, Stephanie Toom on LinkedIn and at Stephanie Toom on Twitter. Perfect. And we will make sure to have those in the show notes as well. So thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Bye. Thanks, Stephanie. Appreciate it. Well, I think it's a really important conversation that we just had. And I hope that a lot of listeners can walk away and really take what they heard and turn it into action because being inclusive is, you know, it is one of those values that you talked about, right? That if we need to live up to who we, who we want to be, not just um, who we happen to be today. We need to make sure that we're constantly looking at how can we be more inclusive? Yeah. And I think, you know, Stephanie pointed out that this conversation has been had a lot for many years, but it hasn't been had in the CX space as much. And you know, mm-hmm. I think it's time to move the conversation over because when we talk about customer experience, we are talking about the entire experience and that inclusivity has to manifest itself throughout that journey. Yeah, for sure. And I think that now there are so many different uh, opportunities to serve people differently, to make sure that you can provide what they need via the way that they want it. And thanks to technology and all the different channels we have, we have an opportunity to serve people in new and really more inclusive ways. So that's what we should be looking for. All right, Jeannie. So- well, br- bring it home, Jeannie. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here. We always appreciate you listening to Crack the Customer Code. We are a member of C-Suite Radio, so be sure to check out the great business content at c-suiteradio.com and c-suitetv.com. I'm Jeannie Walters. You can learn more about me and our journey mapping programs, customer experience, training, and speaking at experienceinvestigators.com. And I'm Adam Deport. You can learn more about our uh, virtual keynote speaking, virtual training, and other CX advisory activities at customersthatstick.com. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.